here's the bigger point, which I think so many leaders miss. It's really less about the things that you do and more about who you become in the process. That is Dr. Harold Arnold Jr. We actually gonna talk about your relationship from the bedroom to the ballroom today. Curious? Okay, listen up. He's a founder of the Pursuit of Influence. He's a social and organizational psychologist who specializes in developing a family-focused culture in homes, places of worship, and business settings. He's the author of three marriage books and one leadership development book, all based on his own unique model for relationship-based integration, including marriage rocks for Christian couples, second shift, how to grow your part-time passion to full-time influence, and his newest marriage book, published by CLC Publications, The Unfair Advantage, A Grace-Inspired Path to Winning at Marriage. With his holistic view of relationship that extends from the bedroom to the ballroom, Dr. Harold demonstrates how successful homes, religious organizations, community groups, and businesses cultivate relationships and leaders defined by the organic scene of shared identity. Armed with the biblical principles, psychologists' insights, and entertaining stories, he guides his audience on a journey to discover faith and purpose through committed relationship. In this episode, can you tell how rich that will be already? Uh, We're going to talk about what it really means to really have a work-life balance and tips on building a strong marriage with open communication. Also, why your home is the number one leadership development ground and how you can utilize it. How to improve your relationship with God through your home and work life. Are you excited? I hope so. Now, let's check with Dr. Harrod. Welcome to the Christian CEO Podcast. I'm Katie Bother, and I have built an impactful location independent business since 2008 with plenty of rejections, English as my third language, and lots of God's grace. Each week, we will be sharing relevant and direct advice or inspiring interviews with one intention. It's your time to go pro with your marketplace calling. Now, let's get to it. Dr. Harold, it's such a privilege and honor that you are on the show today. Oh, Kelly, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to make the connection with you and get a chance to share uh, some of my story uh, with you and with your audience. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, you're welcome. And I feel so cool. I'm speaking to a doctor, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? There's this thing that they say with PhDs. They call it piled higher and deeper, you know? (laughs) So (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. I'll try to have something positive to say, but I don't get too caught up in degrees. Oh, well, you, you 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 are just humble. I mean, you achieve so much. So, can you share with us a little bit about your journey, uh, you know, um, your story? Basically, how did you become this um, doctor and an expert for, you know, when it comes to the uh, second shift for entre- entrepreneurs and, and also when it comes to the, uh, you know, uh, Council for Marriage 
which right. we're going to dive deeper. So, yeah. Right. Well, thank you. Um, yeah. And I think my story, I don't know that it's so um, uncommon. In a way, it's very common. It's just a story of working hard and doing it for a long time. Uh, and so for me, my initial career was in IT. I used to do, you know, a lot of um, you know, a lot of things in the IT space. And really, I, I, was, I really was asking the Lord, to be honest, was, you know, what is it that I am supposed to do while I'm here on earth? And I was at that time in my early 20s, and I was working for IBM. And that was my dream um, originally to work for the biggest computer company at that time. This is like the mid, this is the late 80s. Uh, and so, you know, I was doing that, but it's really weird, Kelly. I had this profound sense of disappointment, frustration, because even though I was having some career successes there early, I was in my spirit. I was really um, dissatisfied with where I, I didn't see, you know, I remember one time and maybe this will make it plain. I remember one time. I was driving to work and I was in the parking lot outside in the parking lot at IBM and I was listening to Focus on the Family on the radio on the radio and I was listening so I'm in my early 20s at this <clears throat> at this time or mid 20s and I'm listening to this group of men who are at midlife and they were talking with then Dr. Dobson who was you know leading Focus on the Family and Kelly I tell you I couldn't stop crying I was sitting in the car listening before I went into my job at the time. And I said to myself, when I'm their age, and now I am, but then <laughs> you know, when, I, when I'm their age, I don't want to be regretting. I don't want to have this life of regret. Like I've been doing these things that are so far from my core, um, the core me, the core uh, identity of who God made me to be. And so I said, what do I need to do so that then, you know, all these years later, 20, 30 years later, I'm going to feel like I'm right in the midst of what God has me to do. And so that's the or that's to a large extent, the origin of my story, Kelly. It's really been about how do I you know, position myself to really do the things that God stirs up in me. And so that for me largely was about uh, taking some academic steps. And, you know, instead of, you know, at that point, I already had a graduate degree in systems engineering, but I decided that, that we were going to go uh, back and do um, a marriage and family therapy um, degree, uh, master's degree. And so I embarked on that, had to move across the country, move my family at the time. Um, we had two kids. They were young. My youngest was nine months. And so, and my son at the time was six. So we moved across the country to do the marriage and family therapy program. Then we moved back to the East Coast to do a PhD in social and organizational psychology. So really getting that academic foundation in order to build, you know, credibility, to build knowledge, understanding, um, because ultimately what I wanted to do was to be seen as uh, having a voice in this space, one of making a difference in family life, but also how to balance that family life with home, you no know, family and home life with business and corporate life um, and entrepreneurial uh, interests, business interests. And so I feel that the experiences that I've done academically gave me the backdrop for then what I ended up doing as far as writing books and um, and, you know, different initiatives that I've 
started and um, podcasting and, I mean, blogging, all the stuff that's happened since really um, was germinated there. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, you know, actually, before we hit the record button, for those of you are listening, you know, we were joking, you know, Dr. Howard, you know, he was uh, uh, hopping, stay hopping. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for, for uh, you know, uh, when he was pursuing, uh, you know, these, uh, uh, you know, uh, for the PhD and school because he's pursuing his passion ultimately. And, but then he did not just kind of stand still, right? Uh, right. You took action. And, but just for the record, what is your lovely wife's name? Yes, my lovely wife, and she is awesome, of 28 years at this time. Um, her name is Dahlia. Okay, and, Dahlia. We just mm-hmm. want to take a moment honoring you. <laughs> 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 because as me, uh, you know, I am a wife, then I have been relocating uh, among 17 years, three continents, wow. three states, plus Jamaica. So yeah. yes. I do know how that feel when you are <laughs> trying to be that wife and supporting right. your husband in the All career. Right. So. Yeah, it, my wife has been, she's amazing. Um, she, it, I remember when I, a few years back, it's been a few years now, but when I got my PhD, I remember my wife, she said, I feel like I got my PhD too. And I said, you have, you have, you, what you've endured, you have gotten your PhD too. And so we, it's certainly something we um, celebrate all, none of this would be possible if it wasn't for her. None of it. I mean, um, not just, not just logistically, not just um, relationally, but it's really the, who I have had to become in the process of being her husband that has really um, it's the fuel for all of this stuff, you know, because ultimately, a lot of times, Kelly, we get focused on the things that we do, you know, whether we do or don't do, celebrate all, none of this would be possible if it wasn't for her, none of it. I mean, um, not just not just logistically, not just um, relationally, but it's really the who I have had to become in the process of being her husband that has really, um, it's the fuel for all of this stuff, you know, because ultimately, a lot of times, Kelly, we get focused on the things that we do, you know, whether we do or don't do. But here's the bigger point, which I think so many leaders miss. It's really less about the things that you do and more about who you become in the process. And, and you know, and believe me, I am a doer. I am very much a doer. And but and so I have to keep reminding myself of that, too, that, you know, Harold, you have to get centered on who you are becoming. What is God calling you to become? What does your wife need for you to become? What do your children need for you to become? What do your friends um, like Kelly need for you to become uh, in order for you to have the impact on them? that um, you're here to have. And so that and that's my encouragement to all your audience too. you know, some because sometimes our to do list can go keep growing and growing and growing. And we're missing the point of our to be list. Yeah, exactly. I like that to be list. You know, I think um, I got asked this quite often, you know, uh, Kelly, how did you plan what you 
you know what what you have to do in order to be or become mm-hmm. the current you. And sometimes I scratch my head because mm-hmm. I thought, well, that wasn't my plan to <laughs> become certain kind of whatever the title, the, the thing. Right. Uh, it's really the pursuing that I want to become that person. And mm-hmm. it reminded since we are in this topic of, you know, uh, the, with the lovely Dahlia, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a marriage. I remember the uh, chief uh, uh, editor of Success, Success Magazine, Darren Hardy, right? Because mm-hmm. I, was, I was once in his course. And then he shared, he shared intimately once, he said that before he got married, and he had this list of what kind of woman he would <laughs> like to have become his wife, right? right? So he mentioned that he wrote like 30 to 40, you know, criteria from like outward appearance to inward characters and everything, right? Mm-hmm. And then after he finished that list, he felt very satisfied. And he went to bed. And the second morning he woke up and he looked at that list again. And I think he, he, he was, I, I'm not so sure if it's 100% correct, but he probably, he said he asked his mentor, Jim Rohn then. And mm-hmm. Jim said, oh, okay, that's a good list. But what kind of man <laughs> <laughs> that woman will be willing to marry to? <laughs> exactly. And, and that is so good, you know? Yeah. That yeah. actually... Uh, as a marketing consultant, I often use that to say, while other people, especially in the online marketing world, when they talk about ideal client uh, profile, they always only talk about, well, that's describe, you know, the pain points, the thing of that ideal client, that, mm-hmm. that potential customers. Yeah. You can go as deep as a demographic, psychographic both. However, after the exercise, I add a, another one to my mm. clients. I say, now, let's flip the coin. What mm. kind of coaching consultant or service provider that that client will be willing to pay for? Wow. Right. That's good. That's really good. So so that's now, the key. Yeah, that's the key. So... So I say, if you figure you are not attracting your desired clients, Mm -hmm. then there's only two situations. One, you are not there yet. Right, right. That sounds harsh, but it's true. Or secondly, you are there already, but your content out there did not carry out Mm. that you are there. It doesn't reflect, exactly, it doesn't reflect fully who, where you are. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, that's good. Right. That's really so, good. So, so is that, again, what you say about is the B thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's right. So, oh, we got a little bit sidetracked. Marriage. No, it's really relevant. It's very relevant <laughs> um, because it all ties together, Kelly. And I think one of the big things that I try to help people when I'm talking or coaching with them is to understand that. You can't compartmentalize these things, that they are so interwoven that when we think about these who we are at home and as husband and as father, that is inextricably um, connected with who we are as business 
you know, executive, as entrepreneur, that those things to to be optimize both of them to be an op to op, optimizing is to hold them both in a delicate tension, you know. Um, and so even when we use this word work life balance, you know, work life balance doesn't mean, you know, 50 percent of is it to work stuff and 50 percent goes to home family stuff. That's not what it means. It's more about how you are attuned to the relationships in each of those settings, how authentic you are to who you know, to your true self. Uh, in each of those settings, um, and how you allow one to interact and influence the other, uh, and those that to me is what balance is. You you have to be attentive to the demands of each of these things, and in order to do that successfully, you have to be have boundaries. You know, it, it, I mean, you have to have some boundaries in the work setting uh, so that it doesn't impinge upon you know the family. Over overburdened. I mean, there are seasons where you might have to spend more emphasis on family stuff. Issues might be going on. Health stuff might be happening. You know, and there are instances where you need to attend more to to work stuff that's going on. Certain seasons, certain product launches, or things of that nature. And so, it isn't about always keeping these things each at fifty percent. It's about being authentic so that you can, um, you know, you can gravitate. A little, maybe a little more towards one or the other as the situation allows. And because people understand who you are become, who you are becoming and what you've represented, they have allowances for you to do that. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, make perfect sense. And I think, well, I I don't wanna I wanna shine on you rather than I grab the words. So I wanna ask. On behalf of audience, say since we are in this topic, what do you see some common mistakes when you come to you know for entrepreneurs or business owners、uh, when you come to that in their marriage life?、Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really sad, Kelly. I mean, you can look at it, the the issue is that, and oftentimes this is certainly true for men. Uh, and and there are some gender differences here too. But when you, what men often do, you might sit down on a plane, and the, what is the very first thing you're likely to ask the person that's next to you if you would start talking? Well, what do you do, right? What do you do?、Uh, and you know, what type of work do you do? And so, oftentimes, we get really our our egos, our identity is very much wrapped up in that what we do, what kind of career we have, what how fast we're going up the corporate ladder, and you know, when your identity is overly,、um, you know, just contingent upon what happens in your workplace. Oftentimes, those dynamics in your workplace are out of your control, you know, and so, so often you have a lot of frustrations and things of that nature, and then that ends up、uh, just overflowing into your home life as well, and you don't attend to the issues of home, and then it's a vicious cycle because the worst things are going on at home. What you do is then you will escape. Oftentimes, what you see business leaders do and, and entrepreneurs do, they escape from the challenges of home by diving even more into issues of work. 
because mm-hmm. at work they feel they can control more than they can at home or they feel like they get more affirmation. They get more accolades. They're promoted. They get, you know, they get pats on the backs, attaboys for the work that they do there. And so but what happens when when you do that, that only makes the situation here even worse because you're not attending to the challenges of home. So to answer your question, I think some of the key mistakes are improper boundaries, kind of what we were talking about. Um, And I think not seeing enough of your identity, who you are holistically. I love the way Dr. Brene Brown talks about the word. She uses the term wholehearted. You know, we are not being wholehearted in our relationships at home. And, you know, we we don't bring our full self to it. We don't bring our, you know, there's a notion of attentiveness as well. You know, if you think about, if you think about driving, those of us who've been driving for many years, right, we don't really think consciously about the aspects of driving. We're just going up, we just go, we hop in our car, we turn it on and we go and, you know, our mind is just can be elsewhere. We might be listening to podcasts like I do all the time, or we might be listening to the radio or singing along with music. And so the thing is, we're not attending to the act of driving. We're, but that's the problem at home, too. Oftentimes, entrepreneurs, business um, leaders are not attentive to the issues of home. We're just kind of cruising along. Uh, and it's we're on autopilot almost. And the you know, do you know what your spouse is struggling with right now? How sensitive or tuned are you even paying attention? Are you noticing what's going on with your teenage daughter? Have you noticed that she hasn't come out of her room? She never comes out of her room or talks anymore. Have are you do you see what's going on with your son uh, and some of the struggles that he's having? I mean. You know, are, how many things are going on right under your nose and you don't have any idea because you're not paying attention? You're on cruise control through the life of your family. And then you'd go. But when you go to work, do you have that same cruise control? No, you're much more attentive to what's going on because people are holding you accountable. You know, you have to do lists to do everything. When you get in that environment, you start thinking about productivity and, you know, how can you get a little more optimized, make optimize this thing a little bit more, you know, to get an edge, to get an advantage, uh, competitive edge, your unique selling proposition or whatever, when it comes to those type of things, because the metrics that you use, customers, bottom line, ROI, all of those things are very quantifiable. And so we feel more in control of those things. But Kelly, all of those dynamics are equally, if not more important in your home life. And if you don't, if we don't learn to, well, we we need to not just think of it qualitatively, we need to look at that quantitative, quantitatively too. How many date nights am I having with my spouse? How many times do we sit down and eat dinner together as a family? How many dad and daughter dates have I been on, you know, have I been on? How often does my daughter, my teenage daughter come and talk to me about, you know, how she's really feeling about stuff? You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I think we have to take those that same um, creativity, attentiveness that we apply in the workplace. We need to bring it home so that we can better keep these things in that balance that I described earlier. 
Exactly. It's very interesting. Um, well, I don't know when this episode gonna go live because I'm I'm recording and batch it up, but uh, uh because the each episode is coming on live on every Monday and six o'clock in the Eastern uh, Eastern Standard Time. Mm-hmm. And why I mentioned this is because uh, on next uh, Monday, the next episode, which is episode 12, and I have a fantastic guest. His name is Paul Boak uh, from okay. UK. And he's a very uh, wonderful man, but more importantly, Christian brother. That mm-hmm. he, We were talking the exactly the same thing about, uh, we all know that book, uh, the GTD method, the get things done, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then he said in his calendar, how he turned his life around. It's on his calendar, he has, he showed me that he has like each week have the slots of uh, the romantic dates. Wow, that's good. Okay. That's good. And he has a, a slot of uh, with uh, play Lego with mm-hmm. son, okay? And <laughs> yes. he has a, he has a slot for, for, for the daughter. So that is exactly that, you know, aligned with what you are saying, that yes. we put all the attention and, and see the system. Actually, we can use the same thing, the similar yeah. system uh, about our family life as well. Now, That's right. That's right. I want to flip a coin. And I hope I don't put you on the spot, okay? That's okay. <laughs> if you see me scratching my head, you'll know Yeah, why. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know, how about the other situation is when the man, okay? I mean, of course, nowadays they can be women work outside the home too. But, oh, yeah. but we just That's continue from the, the conversation here. So how, how about when the man actually... They got discouraged at the workplace. Mm-hmm. Okay, they yeah. maybe got demoted or whatever, struggling, yes. political game at the workplace, all right. those stuff. And then they got discouraged at work. And then they came home. But they don't talk about it either. Mm. When the wives, okay, I say that by experience. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. not only my experience, also that you know other you know my other girlfriends they experience. So yes. they say that they feel frustrated that they knew something's up, right? But their man when they came home, they is different type of escape. Maybe mm-hmm. it's TV, maybe it's newspaper, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. They go to the other route. So how do we deal with that? Yeah, I mean, that's it's tough, right? Because some of it is in our communication. There are some gendered elements to communication. And um, and so I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want to make everything feel like it's maladaptive. But the you know, the reality is when things are not going well in the workplace, you know, as we were talking about earlier, it kind of hits. It hits to your core, to that core. You start to question things about yourself. You start to question your competence. You start to question your identity. You start to question whether you, you know, whether you are worthy of, you know, uh, good things happening. And then 
when that happens, you know, it leaks over into the home as well. And you can start to question, am I even a good husband? Am I a good father? And then when you see these signs, like your wife is saying, you're not a good husband, you know, because you retreat to your man cave or you won't talk to me or your teenage children says, you don't, you just don't understand. You never listen to me. Then it re, you know, it just, it, that you are already kind of struggling with those things. And then it all, it reinforces, you know, that some of those negative uh, beliefs as well. And so it can really put you in a funk. Uh, and so the it, especially for men, when so much of our identity gets tied into our workplace. Uh, and I think it's one of the things that's important in that is when you when we guys are able to have a community of other guys with whom we can be accountable, you know, um, that can, you know, that can pat you on the back when you're um, when you're having the good moments, but they can also be there a shoulder for you when you're having some of those difficult times. They can hold you accountable for, you know, home life and married life and parenting. Uh, and I think it's important to have that um, and because sometimes it is difficult for our spouses to kind of break through that because oftentimes we don't want to show vulnerability to our spouses. We want to be strong. We want to we want to portray this image of us being strong, you know, and in control. And so I think one of the things from the when my wife and I, this is something we've talked about this together and something we've talked to other couples about is we really have to in our marriages think of it as a safe space. You know, you're, you're, you have to be able to feel that your wife really is okay if you're not okay. Mm -hmm. You know, she's okay with you being, um, you know, fallible, that she's okay, you know, and not that, not that she doesn't see you as courageous, not that, you know, and not that she doesn't see you as capable and strong, you know, but really when you're not feeling those kind of ways that she can affirm the things that you are. And sometimes that's even if you're not doing all of the right things right now, but being able to affirm, you know, I know what you're capable of doing. I've seen what you've done before um, and help pull your confidence, help pull your confidence up. And so I think it's on both sides. I think we men have to start sharing more. And instead of becoming more inward focused when those type of challenges happen, that we actually share it. Uh, and in order to do so, the our relationship, we have to perceive it as safe. And I remember my wife, Kelly, she Dahlia said one time, you know, she had been saying, Harold, you need to share more. You need to open up, you know. And then once she this is my wife talking. She's like, and then one time he did. And it scared me to death. Um, and that was her that that's what I've heard her tell other people that she kept telling me to open up and open up. And then one time I opened up and she said it scared me to death, you know. Uh, and so but that, Kelly, is what we guys think in our minds that we really can't open up, because if we open up, it's going to overwhelm and it's going to it's going to change the image that our wives and our loved ones, the way they see us. And we don't want to risk that. Uh, and so it really is about that relationship being solid enough that you see it as a safe space that I can share with Dahlia anything that is going on and she is not going to think less of me. 
you know, and because of that, because I believe that, because I trust that, I will share. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly.、Uh, it's a it's a tough、um, topic, but I just thought since we we don't have a doctor every day in our podcast, <laughs> <laughs> so we might just well dive in. And I think it is it is an important、uh, important subject. You know, yes.、Uh, it, in the end of the day, I remember I asked Dan Miller and Joanne Miller when they both on my show. And I asked them. The main question is how did they、uh, cultivate that that home? Obviously, Joanne wrote、mm-hmm. a fantastic book right, about creating、it. a haven of peace. Yeah, exactly. Joanne sponsor fee. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, but what they sharing? Well, my question was, how did you guys do it? How did you guys? Do it the way that that、uh, you know and your kids know.、Uh, it is okay, you know. It is okay to open. Is be open.、Mm-hmm. Is okay to fail. It is open、yes. to share. So yeah. So it is an important important topic that we we hardly hear out there, but we need to、mm-hmm. hear it because I think God's intent. Uh, family is that unit that he cares yes.、Uh, yes. so much. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So and, and and on top of, I think we have to see our and it's part of that who we be, who we are becoming, Kelly. It's really and you know I I don't want us to gloss over that point too quickly because what so many business leaders entrepreneurs do not fully appreciate is that in. Your marriage and your parenting it demands something of you, right? And you cannot meet. You have to become the person that can meet that demand. You know, you are not that person on the day you get married. Nobody is.、Um, you're not that person on the day your child is born. Nobody is. You have to become that.、Um, but what we don't fully appreciate. Is that who we are becoming there because we engage our wife, our wives, and husbands in an authentic way? Because we attend to our children and really desire the best for them、uh, and want to train them up in the way that they should go, not in the way that we want them to go.、Um, because we subject ourselves to that process, that is a formative process. That is a spiritual process. Even beyond being a relational process, and as we authentically submit ourselves to that process, Kelly, that is setting you up to be a profound leader outside of the home. It is setting you up to be a profound leader of men, of women. It's a profound leader, you know, of you know, understand empathy with relationships with other people that you work with,、um, or the people that work for you. Be, it is those things that you、um, cultivate in the home are setting you up for those things that you cultivate outside of the home, and that's one of the reasons. Even with my naming of my podcast, the Leading You Home Podcast, the whole idea there was this notion of leadership. I'm so honestly tired of people thinking about leadership. And not even considering the home as the most fundamental leadership institution 
that there is, and that's the way God created it to be. When we think about leadership, we think about corporate. We mm. might think about military. Um, but how many people think leadership development and think about home? And yet, who we are is parents. Who? What do you think is forming the way those children, our children, think about leading and following? It's what they see right there in the home first, and we take that with us, you know, in the, as we age and go out into the world. Home has to become a foundational leadership development platform, and until we can get that me- message in our heads, I fear that we'll always fall short of what our true potential is. That is so true and profound. Um, and then reminded me that I always have a love and hate relationship with one frequent asked question. It's, you know, for the single people. The single people, uh, they will ask me, say, either, Kelly, how did you know that you are, you were ready to get married? Or how did you know that you were ready to, be, to become mom? Right. Mm. Normally, it comes to the age they feel they seems they, they need to have a kids now, but they but they are, are, are scared of it. And right. then my answer is always, you will be never be ready. <laughs> you will never be exactly. <laughs> you, you will be never be ready till that you are one. Exactly. And, and then even you are one, you still I don't know about you, doctor, but for me, you know, uh, my kids now are fourteen and seventeen years old. There, mm-hmm. there are still some moments I feel like, am I, am I the right person for the job or not? <laughs> right? Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so it's really just that you say so eloquently, it's, it's as we submit ourselves to that process. Mm-hmm. And that is probably uh, the toughest and but the it best is. personal growth journey. It is. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, probably even more than the entrepreneurship. You know, a lot of people say entrepreneurship is the best education, and I agree with it. I know what 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 I mean in the context. Um, but I think for the more uh, parenting, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's you know, if outside of the home, um, any problem issues, you off the clock, you kind of can hand off the shelf for a while. Right, but right. when it's your own kids, it doesn't matter how old they become. <laughs> yep, that's right. Twenty-four-seven right. till the moment I'm still breathing. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's very true, and I think that's that's the way it should be. I'm, you know, my children are adults. My son is twenty-five, and my daughter is eighteen, and. You know, my son just called me yesterday and he needed, you know, he he needed, um, you know, some help. And I was I'm glad to be there for my son. Um, He and I have had some ups and downs. I haven't been pleased over the year with everything he's done over the years. But I've seen, you know, he's my son. And uh, I've also seen the effort that he is putting in, you know, and I'm, and I want to honor the effort that he is putting in to get, to get things right and to do, do the best. Um, Same with my daughter. And so I think of that, how much more God, the father looks at us that way, 
you know, we make some mistakes, we have some falls, we get some scrapes and bruises, and sometimes we we cause others to have some scrapes and bruises. Um, But God doesn't give up on us. He sees that the the desire of our hearts and that he sees the good that we desire to do. And he gives us a a measure of grace. And that, to me, is so powerful. He gives us a measure of grace. Um, And because he gives us a measure of grace, we have to be willing to give a measure of grace to others. And the more that we can give, be graceful to other people, the more I can be graceful to Dahlia and my kids, the more I can be graceful to Kelly, my friend, the more I can be and the more I can be graceful in my work environment, too, as a business owner, um, as an entrepreneur, as a business leader. You know, it's you don't compartmentalize that way. And as we are able to be graceful again, that's part of that becoming process. And there's a spiritual element to it as well, because as I am able to, you know, push those grace boundaries for in these important relationships around me, guess what I do, Kelly? I'm making myself more open to God's grace coming, you know, for me personally. So it's this amazing cycle that the more I can give that way, the more I can exude generosity around me, the more I make myself open to God's generosity for me. And then I can do that even more. And so it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful interrelationship of all of these things that we have to be careful that we don't short circuit by, you know, strangling some of the relationships that are around us. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think I can talk to you whole day long, doctor. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we need to respect your time. So uh, can I ask you so far, all the listeners probably think, wow, he sounds so perfect. He probably never made a mistake. So can you share with us, please tell us you do. You do make mm. mistake that I, they... I do. <laughs> I do. I'm guilty. <laughs> is there any fun moment or embarrassed moments that in happening in your journey? Yeah. Well, we um we've talked this isn't fun per se, but this is what comes to my mind given where given where this conversation has gone. I, I really feel um what I want to share in my heart is, and we were just talking about my son, I want to share a little bit there um, because we've been talking about family so much and I've been making this play for, you know, the way we are with our family. And, um, and so it's important that I'm, that I'm can communicate that it is trial and error so often, you know, I keep screwing up. Um, And, you know, but it isn't, uh, but I keep asking uh, to be redeemed in a way. Um, the I think of an incident a few years back with my son, and he had gotten himself into some trouble, um, and with the with some legal trouble. And I was so astounded, shocked, hurt. Um, it my wife and I were, and it just struck me to my core. I mean, I didn't understand how this could be, uh, and. And what I so what I ended up doing was I kept emotionally distancing myself from him because I was so hurt by what he did. And I I, I wasn't I, I it was unbelievable to me. And so 
my wife and I, it even caused tension with my wife and I because she was trying to stay emotionally engaged with him because that's how moms tend to be, right? And I was really struggling. Um, and, uh, and so, but then God put on my heart in the midst of this and said, I'll go and apologize to your son. And I'm, I felt like, excuse me, me apologize? I'm not the one who went and did that. You know, there is no reason that I should apologize to my son. Um, yes, I know that I have emotionally distanced myself from him, but he deserves it. You know, and look what he did. It made, you know, it's in, unbelievable what he did. And that feeling that I had to go and apologize to my son would never leave. It wouldn't go away. And so, Kelly, what I ended up doing was, you know, I took him out when he was home because he was away at college at the time. Uh, and But he was home. He had come home and he was home for a while. And I took him out and I think we went out to movie and a dinner or something. And then during that time, we talked and I said, um, you know, I apologize. I apologize to him. And I wanted it to be authentic. You know, I said, if I'm going to apologize, it has to be something that comes from the deepest part of me. And I apologize to him, because Kelly, because I said, I want you to always feel like your father is there for you. And I haven't been. And um, so I have to apologize to you for that. Um, and. I always want you to feel going forward that your father is here for you. And I'm going to be. Um, this has been hard for me. I'm not excusing what happened, but I'm going to change. I'm going to be there. And Kelly, my son and I had a good relationship even before. But after that night, my son and our relationship went up and to the right. I mean, it was just amazing the the way we have grown as father and son since then. And, um, you know, I think that's a, that's the way I want to answer your question because, you know, it's those of us who are espousing all of this stuff with family. So it isn't like we don't screw it up exactly. sometimes, you know, um, I do it with my children. I screw up with my wife. I often screw up. I just screwed up earlier this week. In fact, <laughs> Um, with my wife. And um, it's been 28 years and there's still things I don't get right. Um, and so, but it, here's the thing um, that, and this is one thing that I will say, Kelly, that I think I'm good at. When the Lord pricks my heart that I have to go and say, I'm sorry, I go and say, I'm sorry. Um, and just like I did for my son that night, I did the same thing for my wife earlier this week. I went to her and I said, you know, I'm really sorry for um, for what I, you know, for what I did. And I love you. And, you know, I'm appreciative. I know this is what you were aiming to do. And I shouldn't have said it that way. And when we do that, it releases this whole notion of pride. Uh, and we don't allow the enemy, the adversary to get a hold in yeah, that situation. Yeah. And so that is really my encouragement to people. It isn't about being perfect. It isn't about doing things right all the time. It's it's mostly about just saying um, you're sorry and you're authentically sorry when you stumble um, and um, and giving that same grace 
to the other person when they stumble. If you can do, if you can do those things in at home or in business, I think that we transform, uh, we transform the world. Yeah, exactly. Um, I love how you say you say that when you know when listener listen to this uh, so called that experts that we are talking about well how to improve your relationship or or family life, but realize that it doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes. I That's mean, right. we we just like everybody else, right? That's right. Um, And every family, I think the strong family, I truly believe is all went through ups and downs. That's right. And that's that's, that's what made them strong. Exactly. Uh, That's exactly right. 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 Uh, It's not possible that it's always a rainbow and that's not possible. Um, And and, and, I mean, we can check here all day long. I have those moments as a wife, you know crying out to God, sitting inside the toilet, ask God to change my husband, but actually I'm the one who change first. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, you know, we all have those moments. Yes, uh, yes. So, you know, so what will be one of your godly MBA moments? I'm sure you can tell us a gazillion of them, but let's <laughs> just pick one for today. Mm. That the moment you realize that what you're doing, your career, your business is way beyond just business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I um what most immediately comes to mind, Kelly, I remember much like I'm traveling right now, um, I'm sitting in a hotel room and I remember um maybe last year I was walking into a hotel room and my phone rang and on the other end there was um lady, a mom, and she said, I'm, I'm trying to reach Dr. Arnold. And I said, well, you've reached him. This is he. And she's like, really? And I was like, yes. And she said, well, I just wanted to let you know that I am, I was just reading your post of not just reading, but I had read your post of the, um, 10, reasons that I'm glad I'm glad I was a virgin when I married. It's a blog post and podcast that I did. um, 10 reasons I'm glad I was a virgin when I married. And she said, I'm a single mom. And I did not know how to talk to my son about this topic of abstinence. And, um, and so I literally, I took your blog post and I just walked through him with each of the 10 points. And um, and so I just wanted to call you because I couldn't believe a man actually wrote this. Um, she said, I would have expected a woman to write it. And um, so I so couldn't believe it that I wanted to call, but I didn't think I would actually reach you. I was prepared to leave a message. And so she's like, so she said, thank you, thank you, thank you for writing that. It's made such a difference with me and my son. I don't know. I didn't have any male figure around to have that conversation with him. And so she said, would you talk to him? And I said, talk, talk to who? She said, my son, he's right here. Can I put him on the phone? And I, was, I said, oh, well, sure. That's uh, put you on the spot. <laughs> she sure did. So she put him, her son on the phone. And over the next 10 uh, minutes or so, Kelly, I got a chance to talk to the young man. And 
um, you know, at first understanding a teen, he's like, I don't know this guy. Uh, and so you could hear some of that. But then as I asked some of the questions, he started to open up, you know, and and he said and then he started asking me questions. And that's when I knew I had connected uh, with him. And I think it's those kind of moments when, you know, it, because I even at that particular trip, I was it was on my day job. And, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm here doing this stuff that and um, and but then it has this moment when you realize that it's something bigger going because I was off, I was true to putting that blog post together. And I was you know, I, I wasn't afraid to share that in a culture where, you know, ab- male abstinence, sexual abstinence is not always favored, especially among men, that I was willing to put that out there. Uh, and so it was really validation that, you know, the second shift and, you know, my book, Second Shift, How to Grow Your Part-Time Passion to Full-Time Influence is just about that, Kelly. It's about, you know, when we are able to you know, use these these platforms, build these platforms uh, and get that message out there that let God give the increase, you know, just do your part and get the get what's in your heart out into the universe um, and allow God to work it, allow it to that message to seep into the spirit of people. And, you know, you have to be the good steward to get it done. You know, for me, that was writing two books last year that then became two published book, books this year. That was hard. It was every day sitting down and in spite of a day job, a demanding day job, every night sitting down, writing, being authentic out of a spirit of stewardship to what God's put inside of you. Be authentic, be disciplined, stay committed to it um, and understand that if you, when you are doing these things in obedience to what God is stirring up in you, that he's going to give the increase, that the increase doesn't belong to you, that your what belongs to you is obedience. What belongs to God is the increase. And so we get so caught up in how many downloads we have, how many views we have, how many Facebook friends, how many tweet, tweet, uh, Twitter followers you know, that we have. But those are not the rubrics, the metrics that God judges our success by. So uh, that godly MBA moment for us is looking at the right metric. Make sure you're looking at the right metric. Uh, And that metric is not about what the world, the things of this, this world, those things, these things, those things are temporal. These things are about the eternal uh, things that matter. Uh, and so I would just encourage people to be authentic to those eternal things that really matter. Well, I can now wrap up the show better than that. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, you know, it's not just internal. I would say we don't know that young man who he going to become. That's right. And uh, we don't know which young lady he going to marry to. That's right. And who knows? But the key point is the stewardship, as you mentioned, that that uh, you were obedient and to be courageous enough and to write a blog post. It's not right. a necessarily popular topic at all, right? Uh, especially right. in the culture uh, we are in, and and then uh, you were willing to serve that single mom and yes. that young boy in that capacity. 
Uh, and that's just also proof that, you know, when we are creating all this content, I mean, I remember when I spoke to uh, Clay Remerscraft, uh, mm -hmm. he was my first guest. And then, oh, wow. I, yeah, and then I, I, you know, discussed with him, you know, uh, privately before the, 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 the record button hit. And he said, Kelly, just remember, don't pay attention to a download number. Mm. And yes. he said that, you know, is, and then he actually then shared in the show as well. He said that if you think about that, there's a couple hundred people that they are, you know, faithfully listening to your show. Yes. Um, I know that some, sometimes we hear all the numbers like uh, hundreds of thousands and millions right. and all those. Uh, but I, it's just that how I published my book in 2012, if, if there is a one person's life got changed, Yes. Because of that, if she read my book, then yes. I think it's well worthy of it. Amen. Amen. Yeah. That's right. And I no, say that to, to authors, aspiring authors all the time, you know, if, and, and I ask that question, I ask it this way, Kelly, if one, if one, just only one person's life is changed for the better, if you knew that what you write would only change one person's life, but it was going to change it remarkably and everything for them was different. Would you still write that book? Would you still put in all the work, all the time, all the money when you sell, even if you self publish to yeah. write, would you still do that for that one person? And, and how you respond to that question, I think speaks volumes. Right. Right. And, uh, uh, of course, on the flip side, you know, uh, as Christians, we also had the other extreme camp, right? What we are, I just want to make clear, we are not talking about, well, we, we are in business. Of course, we need to still work well in the business sense. Of course. That whatever God asks you to do in the business is to make a bigger impact. And yes, we do need to have a profit coming in. Otherwise, the business cannot sustain. Therefore, you cannot make more impact, right? Exactly. But, but in this Episodes contest, we are talking about that on the top of all those physical uh, metrics, what yes. we also need to pay attention to, and that's what we're talking about here. Yes. So, Dr. Harold, thank you so much for today that you have added so much value to me personally and my audience. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so well, much. Thank you. Thank you for the invite, Kelly. I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and Thank you for all that you do to help spread the message of the kingdom. Uh, and um, sometimes the message of the kingdom, it takes different forms. And so I thank you for the form that you are taking in, in spreading that. And um, it's, I, I appreciate the, the heart that you have for, for other people. Um, I'm just per, my prayers are that your gifts will continue to make room for you. Thank you so much. Be blessed. Did you enjoy this episode? I hope so. Also, what is that number one takeaway that you received from this episode? You know, as we produce a podcast week in and week out, if without your feedback, it's very difficult for us to know how we have made a difference. So if you can be so kind, email us at podcast at kellybother.com and let us know what is your number one takeaway. In the next episode or so, I will feature your feedback and give a shout out to you. 
For all the goodies, please go to kellybala.com forward slash 076. Are you one of the Christian leaders that you would like to stand out, establish your own blue ocean, and create a profitable business you love and totally identity aligned? Well, if you are, I would like to invite you to access to one of my free masterclass actually was a live presentation on stage at my mentor Chris Docker's uh, annual signature event called Youpreneur Summit. The presentation is called The Power of One Framework. And why is this so important? If you like to create a whole lot more impact in the coming year and beyond, you feel like you might hit a plateau in your business, or you have been touring around in the base camp, meaning in the bottom of the mountain that God asked you to conquer, then this presentation is for you. With all transparency, when you access to that presentation, you will be also added as my VIP list for the coming signature program called the Power of One Framework. It's a mentoring program, and we cannot be more excited about this because we haven't seen anything that this for Christian entrepreneurs just yet. And are you surprised? Actually, probably not. Why? Because God always likes to show off His wisdom. And what do I mean by that? Four months before that presentation, I was crying out to the Lord, say, Father, how can we help? How can we get rid of the imposter syndrome? How can we stop the comparison game and shining object syndrome? How can we get as many as your children to the past identity aligned that what you have called them to do, create a whole lot more profit so they have the margin to give more and serve more. So if you feel resonate with this message, then go to kellybala.com forward slash learn. I will see you there. Hi there. If you have found this episode resonating with you, would you please consider to take a moment and drop a review on iTunes? It will serve a fresh dose of blessings to those of us who work so hard to produce the content week in and week out. Please go to kellybala.com forward slash review. Again, that's kellybala.com forward slash review. We really appreciate it. And you will also help more fellow Christian CEOs find this podcast. Thank you so much. Remember, you matter. See you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Christian CEO Podcast at www.kellybotter.com.